Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here today. And special thanks to those who are sharing the podcast, getting the message out there, finding value in it, and returning to us to listen another time. So, really appreciate you guys. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, continue to enjoy it. And another great guest this week that I got a chance to talk to. Uh, it's just great for me to be able to sit down and actually record these conversations that I do end up having because um, just loving the game, loving to talk to coaches, and that's what this is for. This is for to help players, to help coaches, to help anyone looking to get better. And this guy here today is a guy that's definitely just is all about helping people get better. He's head coach at Cooksville High School, Butch Chafin. Butch has been in the game for 34 years. He's a current head coach at Cooksville High School in Cooksville, Tennessee. He's also spent 14 years, the last 14 years, with USA Baseball. Prior to Cooksville, he was also an assistant at Tennessee Tech. And also during his 34 years, he spent spent three years as a special assignment scout for the Kansas City Royals. But he's a national speaker, national clinician. If you've been to a convention in the past two years, you've, you've probably seen him, heard him, have some type of content from him. Because he's a truth, truth better. He speaks the word, speaks the truth of the game, does it in a great way that's very easily connected. He thinks they're powerful. There's power in, in, in his simplicity that he speaks. Coach Chafin is just a dude. I mean, flat out, he's a dude. And he's a preacher of the game, and I love what he talks about in the in the podcast when we talk together. Was how he talked about he's the guardian of the game, and I think a lot of us, those people who love the game so much, need to make sure that we are ourselves being guardians of the game. So I think it's a great way to say it. Um, I'm not going to get into too much of the preview because he says it better than I do, and we had a lot of fun. It was hard to get off the call uh, without just having hours and hours of of content. Um, but uh, just one thing I would just say, just looking into it, is just how Coach Chapin, he's a truly developmental coach. It's one thing that's just kind of got him had a lot, I guess you can say, a lot of attention is he makes a statement and how he's really known for having 21 guys on a team and trying to get and getting 21 guys in the game every game, always finding something, developing for next year, having those things in mind to help really develop all his kids. And um, you know, a big statement that he said during the during the time we talked was how the other team is faceless, the other team is just feedback to see if what they're doing in practice is working or not. A great coach, a great conversation. I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm happy that I'm able to share. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy the conversation with head coach, Cooksville High School, Coach Butch Chapin. I'm like a lot of young head coaches. I became a head coach, you know, in my 20s. And it was about winning games. And I was going to put nine dudes out there, and we were going to win every game. And what started happening is, man, I, I kind of lost contact with the guys on the bench. 
And what would happen is we'd have a, we'd have an okay year and then we'd have a bad year and then we'd have a good year and then we'd have, you know, an okay year. And it wasn't until about, gosh, nine, 10 years ago where we had a team that they would be good for a week and then they'd be okay for a week and then they'd be good for a week. And when the season was over, we had a pretty good record and got, you know, we got put out in a sectional game, which is one game away from going to the state tournament. And I was like, golly, you know, what, we're, we're not going to be good next year. That was our shot. So it seemed like every three years I was going, okay, here's our shot. Well, I got tired of saying, okay, this is our shot. I wanted a shot every year. So I sat down in the summertime and I'm not kidding. I read every book. I took every note. I, I literally went page by page, redid uh, how I teach things, the order, how I teach things, uh, when I introduce motivational stuff, um, really hammered down on our culture's always been good, but in the last eight, nine, 10 years, our culture's become tremendous. And what it was is I had this like, just I yearned for consistency. I didn't want, I think it's a dirty word if high school coaches go, it's a rebuilding year. I think you just insulted everybody in your program. So we don't talk about that. We don't, we don't talk about that. So if I'm going to have 21 guys on my varsity roster, man, I'm trying to get everybody but tomorrow's starter in the game. You know, I, I'm trying to utilize – what you know, pinch hitters, uh, pinch bunners, uh, courtesy runners, pinch runners, defensive replacements. I'm going to use left arms against left hitters, right arm. I'm gonna I'm gonna come at you from a lot of different angles, and I'm just gonna keep putting kids in the game with the thought in mind that I'm gonna build that consistency. Coach, if you and I, and my guys know this, they know I come on podcasts, they've seen all this stuff, they listen to all this stuff, and they know I'm not insulting them. I am just a normal coach with very normal guys. But if you took, if you took my players into a gym and said, okay, 10 free throws, shoot it. My best baseball player might hit like four. Now they're going to talk <laughs> a good game, but my best baseball player uh, if I can get him from his sophomore to junior year to increase fastball velocity by six or seven miles an hour, you know what I mean? I have good little baseball players. Mm-hmm. I don't have tremendous athletes. And I think what happens in many high school programs is they search out tremendous athletes. Well, if you're a tremendous athlete, that doesn't guarantee that you're tough, that you're gritty. I want guys that are tough and gritty. You know, they don't moan when I go, okay, hit the deck, push-ups, let's go. They don't go, oh, if you do that at my place, it's going to cost you. Mm-hmm. So we train them. And when we train them, everything we do, especially in the fall and the winter, is we're trying to get them to be a little bit tougher because every kid's tougher than they think they are. Uh, it's just some kids have never been pushed. And a lot of kids... When you start pushing them, they give up. They walk away. At my place, my guys thrive on it. Like, 
they get to a mindset. If you're a, a junior or senior at my place, you're kind of disappointed if you don't have a hard day. If you don't walk out of the weight room sweaty, you're like, golly, what's wrong with coach? Is something wrong? Did we do something wrong? Why didn't he coach us today? Uh-huh. So that's been a, that's become like a huge part of our culture. Now I can't say coach, I can't say, Oh, um, we're going to outwork everybody. Cause I don't know how hard everybody else is working. I don't know how hard your team works uh-huh. and I'm not even really worried about your team. So the mindset becomes, we're going to work as hard as we can. We're going to find that line and we're going to go beyond that line and work a little bit harder. Okay. And then we're going to practice stuff. And then when the game comes, we're going to see if what we did in practice, if that's the right thing to do. The other team's just kind of out there providing somebody to fight back. But we talk about when we play, you know, we don't engage with the other team and we don't engage with umpires. The other team's faceless. Uh They don't have a personality. They're totally faceless to us. They're just bodies providing feedback to see if what we're doing at practice actually works. Absolutely. And, and back to your back to your original question, I want to be able to plug my guys in so they can get experience. I'm always coaching with next year in mind. So if I have a sophomore who's a catcher and he's my three catcher and I can find an opportunity to stick him behind the plate for an inning or two in a blowout game, I'm going to do that. Because I'm trying to, hey, we're going to win today but I got to win next year also. So we're, we're, that's, that's where the, the birth in my mind, that's where the birth of the whole development project came from. Mm-hmm. Now, is that, has that changed your model of practice as well? So like you said, about 10 years ago, you started to think and manage the game this way. Did it also change, affect your way that you're practicing as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and then especially with that in terms of mind of like, if you, let's say you had three catchers, did you see that you, did you, I guess, naturally give kind of more leadership roles to older guys or that like? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, if I hear you go, oh, I only have one assistant coach. Mm -hmm. I always think in my mind, I always think, well, how many seniors do you have? Because if you're doing things right and you're talking development and you're about development, your seniors should be assistant coaches. I, I absolutely I get a rush when I see uh, my senior second baseman working with a freshman second baseman on footwork. You just see him over in the corner and they got a throw down bag in the weight room. And I can see him instructing that kid and see that he's doing it right because I taught him how I want it. Now he's teaching the freshman, you know, and at my place, um, our developmental team, the young kids, which our developmental team is almost always going to be freshmen. If you're a freshman, you contribute to the varsity, you're playing varsity. But if you're a freshman, for the most part, and a few sophomores sprinkled in, you're playing developmental ball. And developmental ball is all about development, all about it. So our freshmen, our sophomore, our developmental team, they practice with our varsity. Now, they, they may not do everything, but I would bet 95% of the defensive work, our guys who are freshmen, they're with the varsity guys. Because one of, the, one, of the, one of the things that you really can't teach that everybody thinks you can teach it, but 
it's so hard to replicate in a practice is the speed of the game. Sure. And speed of the game for a freshman and speed of the game for a senior are two different speeds. And speed of the game for my best senior, when he gets to college, wow, speed of the game. Every time you jump up, the game gets faster, you know? And what we try to do is the, the secret sauce in all of development is you cannot rush athleticism. If a guy can't hit a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, he can't hit a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. He might just be weak, and he can't even hold a bat. So you can't just keep shooting 90 in the machine at a freshman that weighs 120 pounds and get consistency. He may walk into one every now and then, but the secret sauce to all of development is maturity. So what we try to do is we push maturity hard. We want you to act older than you are and mean it. So if we can get a 14-year-old freshman to act like a 16-year-old sophomore, well, that's we can push that. Well, how do you push that? That's where your culture comes in. That's where if you build it right, your kids are mature. They can talk baseball. Now, baseball is that game. And this is why a lot of people don't get baseball. Because baseball players have bizarre senses of humor. They're always yeah. ripping on each other every yeah. day. Coaches rip on players. That oh, yeah. If, if a football coach said that to a quarterback or a backup lineman, he'd probably get fired. But if a baseball coach says it, the kid laughs and says something back. And it's all like back and forth. And the reason that baseball's like that is because you're together so much. You're around each other so much. So there's got to be, nobody has more fun than my team and nobody has more fun than I do. But my guys know when it's time to go, it's time to go. Mm -hmm. And that's where that maturity, that maturity keeps going. Nobody's a bigger clown than I am, (laughs) but they, but they also know, they also know coach loves practice yeah so we gotta love practice too sure so it's time to work so yeah uh, if coaches can find that secret sauce and rush maturity into kids uh you're gonna get you're gonna get better results you're gonna get faster results and that we stumbled upon that wow why is that kid why is that kid so immature? Well, what are we doing to take that immature kid and teach him what maturity looks like? So that that's kind of become the secret sauce in the whole thing. I don't believe you can rush athleticism. If a kid can bench press 100 pounds, well, tomorrow he can't bench press 200. That's going to be a slow burn. Athleticism is usually a slow burn to get to. Maturity can happen like overnight it's a decision hey i'm gonna wake up i'm gonna wake up i tell my moms uh of my players at the booster club meeting one of the first booster club meetings i go okay here we go tell your kid in the morning coach said make his bed and they all kind of giggle and i went no i want to know tell him to make his bed that's step one of maturity will he do what he's told when there's no way i can check that uh-huh Okay. And then we go, okay, when you go in the classroom, you're not in middle school anymore. You know, when you get in the classroom, you be respectful. You can still smile and have fun and things like that, but we're not throwing stuff. We're not acting like we're still in middle school. You're in high school now. You know, that's step two. Step three would be, hey, 
when you get done with your lunch, make sure all that trash gets in that trash can. You raise your hand. If you need to go to the restroom, you raise your hand and go, may I go to the restroom? I mean, you can't miss an opportunity to teach maturity. Uh, we passed out We passed out some fall gear today. We gave out some t-shirts and hoodies and shorts and all that kind of stuff. And I said, okay, we have plenty of stuff. So if you try your stuff on, don't leave. If you leave and you haven't made a change, then that's what you're riding with. But if it doesn't fit, wait till everybody goes and then line up to the equipment room door. And if you have a problem, let us know. First kid steps up and he goes, can I, can I trade this small shirt for a medium shirt? And I, I said, can you? And he went, may I please? And I went, absolutely. Uh-huh. And he walked out next kid. He goes, may I trade these extra large shorts for large shorts, please? And I uh-huh. went, absolutely. So you, 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 you teach manners and manners are maturity. Okay. Your best gauge of your culture is behavior. You know, are kids behaving? If kids aren't behaving, you got a bad culture. Now, every team I've ever been a part of, you know, there are going to be problems. Kids are going to do stuff. Sure. How does your team handle? If your team gets more upset because a freshman throws everything in his locker and doesn't hang it up, if your players get upset about that, your culture's fine. Like, I've got a freshman. He's never done anything like this, so he doesn't know. Everything, every day is new to him, and he's absolutely driving the seniors crazy. <laughs> well, in my program, we don't let players cannibalize each other. It's detrimental to the whole developmental process. It's detrimental to the maturity process. We don't let an, one player yell at another player they can, they're not allowed to yell at them. They can only yell encouragement. Coaches cannibalize players. I can go to the oh, – I tell you what, Chief, if you don't hang your stuff up, I'm about to put you on that track and run you down to original birth weight. <laughs> I, I can do that because I'm supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. A player, that's your teammate. Right. He's, he's supposed to come to you and go, hey, man, here's three extra hangers. Hang your stuff up. That's how coach wants it. That's how we do it around here. Mm-hmm. That's what players do. So, yeah, I think, I think, I think if you can rush maturity, and we do it every day. So do, I, I know it can be done. And I see kids grow up, and they're still kids. You know, they're still kids. Um, I got, I got a shortstop that just turned sixteen years old who just committed to Rice. And he's a real deal. And he's been my shortstop since day one of his freshman year. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to push it. I didn't want to push it. And the more we were around him, the more we got to know him. This kid's a baseball player. Mm-hmm. But he's super mature, like super mature. And what you'll see, I guarantee your best players are your mature players. Okay. Right. And, and you can have a talented athlete. He's talented, but he's not mature. He's the kid that goes to college. He overcommits. He should have gone JUCO, but D1, he's got D1 on his mind. He goes to D1 by Christmas of his freshman year. He's looking for a JUCO, and then he bounces from that JUCO to an NAI school. That, that's probably the immature one. The mature one 
is going to make good, solid decisions. Like my shortstop, uh, I go, um, do they have your major? And he went, absolutely, they do. It's the first thing I checked on. And I'm in my head, I'm like, at a boy. That yep. was, I, I could care less what his major is. I just want to know what his answer was. Mm-hmm. And he, he gave the perfect answer. It's the first thing I checked on, Coach. Went by admission. Uh, they have engineering, what I want to do. And, awesome. And, you know, here he is, and I didn't want to rush him because, you know, you put a kid in too soon sometimes, and it just destroys him, and you lose him forever. It's in, a couple injuries happen. I'm like, crud, we're not going to be any good this year. And we're only probably going to win about six, seven, eight games. And we put him at shortstop, so we're going to roll with a shortstop. A couple kids get hurt. I put him in the three hole. So I got a 14-year-old freshman shortstop batting in the three hole. He goes 420, five home runs, 30 RBIs, and 29 walks. Oh, wow. And I tell, I tell Baxter, I tell Mike at Vandy, their hitting guy, and I'm like, Mike, most impressive part? And he goes, I'm looking at it. 29 walks for a freshman in the three hole. And he goes, wow, kid's super mature, isn't he? And I went, bingo. 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 Oh, man. So it it sounds like, you know, those, what some people get, soft skills, you know, people say skills that people are kind of born with is what, I mean, through your culture and things like that, you're, you're, you're pressing those things just as much as the physical developmental side. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because this is what I know. Mature kids learn faster. They pay attention. They have more focus. So because they learn faster, athletically, they're going to take off. Okay. They get hungry in the weight room. Uh, you know, they start getting little bumps on their arm and they stop, they start cutting a little baby fat and they start seeing faults and they want more. Um, and it's like one of, one of my better players, he said it the other day, uh, we were doing Mediball throws from the knee on a mat in the weight room and they're throwing the Mediball medi and he's throwing it twice as far as everybody. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. And he just looks at me line of the year and he goes results are fun <laughs> and i was like you darn right they are that's right that's right because that's paid off you know he's put, that t- he's put that time in so it should he should be proud of himself absolutely you know that's phenomenal stuff so i guess like i always co- i come back to i guess you know just just the the decision the decision that you made and then the decision that you made 10 years ago and it's it, and then to look where you're at today you know, now having a kid to go to a major, major school like Rice, especially from a shortstop position, is incredible. It's incredible. Um, man, Coach, and then you talked about, so, like, do you see, I mean, with, with, your, with your time at USA Baseball, you've seen some elite type of players. And so do, would you say that's a, that's a pretty commonality between all those types of players is they are mature, they have the mental skills that can also match the physical skills? I tell you, there's a there's a couple things, and I I need to write like a sociology paper on what I've seen with those guys. And the I'm telling you, a one of the common denominators in all those guys, all of them: Harper, Machado, Machado, Linder, uh, Francisco. Those guys loved being coached. They love being coached. Like, 
hey, if you see anything I'm doing wrong, hey, coach, how do you hold, uh, how do you, how do you think I ought to hold my change up? I mean, they loved being coached and they didn't mind getting coached hard. They could separate the player from the person. And if you coach the player hard, you know, they knew you were coaching the player, not the person, you know, they didn't get offended. They weren't, they weren't there emotionally. They weren't crushed. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they, they loved being coached and they had this thirst for knowledge. Um, they had a thirst for knowledge, their work ethic, there, there are no wasted reps. Like guys that end up making national teams, um, there, there are no wasted reps. And you don't accidentally make a national team. You don't. It's um, If you look at the numbers, I think there's 750 big leaguers. Well, there's only about 120 national team kids every year. It's harder to make a national team than it is to play in the big leagues. Hmm. And, and, you know, you look at the numbers and the stats and do the math and not always, but I'd say, you know, 70%, 60%. If you're on the 12U team, you're probably going to play on the 15U team. And then the number changes a little bit. And it goes down to about 65, 60, 65%. If you played on the 15U team, you're probably getting to the 18U team. But there's such a giant gap there. But the common denominator is just that, that thirst to be coached. You know, and it, the first time I was on national team staff, it, it kind of it freaked me out because I went into it. Um, and, and let's face facts. Um, there are there are high school coaches that have really good players that are held hostage by really good players. Mm-hmm. So my shortstop's a jerk and I hate coaching him. Don't listen to anything I say, but he's he's the best player in our conference. So I got to play him. And I get that. I understand that. But like national team kids understand how to check the ego at the door and get better. But at the same time, they know that their future profession is probably going to be major league baseball player. So they want you to help them and teach them, how do I become a big leaguer? How do I talk? And, you know, I remember in 2010, we were talking and uh, uh, we were on the bus and we were going from um, we were going from D.C. to New York, and we were going to be in New York for ten days, and then we we're going to fly over into Minnesota and work our way up and play, and end up in Canada and play the World Championship. So we had a lot of bus time, airport time, plane time. It's the longest tour in the history of USA Baseball. We were out we were out for like five six weeks, and so I had I had a lot of time. That was Lindor's team, and you know Michael Lorenzen was on that team. And I just, I, I would, you know, Philip Pfeiffer and Nikki Delmonico and they'd go, Hey coach, we have to have a coach walk with us. Cause you know, we had MLB security and stuff like that, but we're like in New York and we're out in Queens and they want to walk down to the market, you know, and uh, get ice cream or something like that. So they wanted coaches. So I'd always walk with them, you know, get some exercise and, they'd walk in front of me and I'd walk behind them and I'd listen to them talk. And here they are in shorts, vans, walking four miles to this grocery store. And they're talking about baseball the whole time they're walking. Mm-hmm. And if they're not talking about baseball, they're like Pfeiffer, nice yellow vans, dude, seriously. <laughs> Just ragging each other. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's this, they know they're going to be pros. 
and they want you to help them become pros and they're picking up bits of information. But the, the coolest thing of all is we would play games and those guys would be on the rail watching the game, talking the game and meaning it. They weren't messing around and the pitchers are flipping balls and showing each other grips and our hitters would sit there and they'd have their batting gloves on and uh, it, it, it was just, I'd, I'd look and I'd go, this is the neatest thing ever. And we had a kid, A.J. Venegas, and he goes on, he pitches at Stanford. He's like a seventh rounder of the Indians. And A.J.'s super smart. And A.J. and the pitchers would pick offensive signs. Like, they pick everybody's offensive signs. And I said, we're riding the bus to go play Cuba. And I went, A.J., I need you. I need you to pick Cuba signs right here. And he uh -huh. goes, okay, coach, I got you. And third pitch of the game, he leans off the rail and he goes, got him. And I'm like, what do you got? And he goes, it's the guy in the dugout holding the unlit cigar. Watch the angle of the cigar. Oh yeah. Yeah. So their baseball IQ uh, was also off the chart. You uh -huh. know, it, it was, it was amazing. It was great team and then um they wanted an older guy to go with uh 12u team and i was like oh my gosh 12u like willie our 12u national team if you made an all-star team from those kids in williamsport our national team would beat them all 99 out of 100 times mm. and those kids those 12u kids most mature bunch i've ever seen in my life i've never seen i've never seen high school kids lock in the way that team would lock in Wow. They love to practice. The bench guys understood. I'm a bench guy. I'm going to be the best bench guy ever. Um, we had a pitcher. Our pitcher was our starting catcher one game. So we had our backup catcher in. And our third possible catcher was playing first base. So we didn't have a catcher. We had to get somebody up in the bullpen. And I looked down and... Our backup third baseman has shin guards and a mask on, warming somebody. Nobody told him to do it. He's 12 years old. Uh -huh. Nobody told him to do it. He could have looked the other way and went, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not a catcher. Man, he put it on and suited up and went down there and got our guys. And we had to use like three pitchers, four pitchers in that game. He stayed down there the whole time. At no point was he crowding the coach going, am I going in? Am I going in? Right, right. He was down there warming up pitchers. And I told our head coach, David Sharp, I was like, Abel just spent the whole game in the bullpen warming people up. So we had this thing where after every game, we would always give the lineup card to a player who did something that probably there are no stats for. Yep. So that game, Abel got the lineup card. It was like a big deal. It's the official lineup, you know, the wall, the dugout card. Mm -hmm. And like, it was a big deal. So yeah, the national, you don't accidentally become a national team kid. And mm -hmm. You know, you just, you can't, you can't buy your way onto a national team and uh, you can't just kind of be a super great, you know, smiling, positive guy and get on it. You got to be able to play because we're, I mean, we're <laughs> USA baseball is in the gold medal business uh -huh. and it's about that gold medal. For sure. So, For sure. Yeah. Yes. I mean, how has, I mean, I mean, just those experiences, you know, you're, you're talking the, the top of the, the elite of the elite, you know, played with USA baseball. How, how did that experience change, change you um, within your own 
small high school. I mean, you're not, you're in a relatively smaller high school, aren't you? Uh, we're actually, we're in the fifth biggest, we're the fifth largest high school in Tennessee. We yeah. have about 20, we have about 2,300, but we are tucked way back in the woods. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Nashville okay. and Knoxville. And we traditionally don't get like that six, eight basketball player, or SEC quarterback. We mm-hmm. traditionally, we don't get that kind of athlete. Right. So we have to kind of build the athlete, but, um, the USA experience, you know, I, I come back to my guys and that's when I started going, wow, those kids were really mature. Okay. And it was my own ignorance where I went, wow, those kids are really mature. Not realizing that those kids, they were all going to be big time college players or pro players. My guys weren't, but thank goodness I was so dumb. I didn't know that. So I really started pushing Hey, this is how we're going to act. Mm-hmm. And, and as a coach, I, you know, parents are going to talk about you and all the parents aren't going to like you, but you got to be loyal to your guys. So we're just going to push maturity and some guys are going to get it. And some guys are going to get left behind mm-hmm. and we're going to hurt some feelings, but you know, I got to look out for all my guys, not just one guy. And so yeah, it, it, the USA experience, uh, number one, I get to watch those really good players and watch how they do things. And you'll be surprised how many good players don't get coached. Like, I guess their coaches are high school coaches, youth coaches, travel coach, whatever, uh, are kind of intimidated by their ability. Mm-hmm. That's never that's never been a problem with me, I guess. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of coaches are intimidated by great players and they're afraid to coach them because they don't want to mess them up. And, you know, that's never really been a problem with me. If you're a great player, I want you to be even greater. Sure. So if I see you doing something wrong, you know, I'm not going to let anything slide. I'm not going to let anything slide with my guys. I'm going to call you out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if Trey does something, I don't like it. I'm calling him out right then. We're that's not going to get, we're not going to have a meeting with a pair. I'm calling you out right then, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I like chaos. I think uh, if the house is on fire or there's going to be people running around like, what do we do? What do we do? But there are going to be a lot of people who, you know, calmness comes over them. And I think a lot of guys, they talk about a hey, slowing the brain down. And we talk about that and breathing. And we talk about that. But I think a leave out the biggest part of the equation is you need to practice chaos so they can practice calm. Sure. Everybody's all everybody's always practicing calm, but they're afraid to introduce chaos because there might be failure. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of learning to be done in failure. And if your guys, if it's chaotic and your guys are calm, you absolutely have the advantage. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of times, you know, I think especially in high school, you're you know, you learn you're losing more, you're probably losing more games than you are winning them, you know, right. and especially that's typically going to come down to a guy dealing with that failure. Like you're saying, just dealing with more adversity, that right. section, that sectional game when it's to four to three, you know, um, right. you know, deal with an early balk move, early leave move, something like that, you know? So uh, it's just, it's just definitely stuff like that, especially at, you know, at the high school level for sure. And, and you know, I think, you know, everything cycles and one of those hot cycles now is, I'll hear guys talking about, 
you know, competing and how can I get my kids to compete? You know, I think, I don't think you can shove that competitive gene into a player. I think that it's in there and kids want to be good, but we talk about recover, you know, you're going to compete in the moment. You're going to compete. But if you don't have success, how do you recover? And I've said it, I've said it, I'll say it during games. Somebody will strike out and I won't say, Hey, you're all right. Next time, next time I'll go recover right now. Recover. I used to say separate offense and defense. But mm-hmm. now all I, all I do now is go recover, recover. And they immediately know, flip the switch. That's over, move on. Nothing I can do about that. Mm-hmm. Definitely how you've evolved, for sure. Absolutely. I, I like the simple term. It's a simple cue. That's good. Absolutely. That's great. So I mean, you talk about it's also like parents and things like that. It's kind of getting into that, you know, like um, as you've made this switch to maturity and things like that. How are you helping? Because, I mean, that's that's all part of the relationship, too. Is our, Do you teach – I guess within your program, do you do you help like any parents and things like that? Is like along with how they can maybe do those things as well as they kind of speed the maturity process up. Absolutely. I mean, you kind of touch base on that a little bit about telling them to make their bed and things like that. Are there Absolutely. other things you're being intentional about as well? Um, our first parent meeting, I give out like a parents manual. It's a 17 page parent manual, and like my parents manual, it may not apply to you because. You know, it's just like my culture. You can't copy my culture because you don't live in a town that is only 38,000 people, but has a high school that has 23, you know, 2,300 kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, 700 of them are Hispanic and they don't play sports, you know, and 52% of them are female. So your high school may not be like that. You may be, uh, you may be, you know, uh, um, Jack Smith at so-and-so Catholic and you have 250 boys. Well, you can't copy my culture. Uh, I got, I live in a town that is halfway between Nashville and Knoxville. And in my town, what we have is we have teenagers that don't have two nickels to rub together because their parents are laborers and they don't have any extra money. And we have to give them free breakfast, free lunch. And on Friday, pack them some food to take home to the family sitting in class next to a kid that dresses like a cowboy drives a $60,000 jacked up pickup truck, likes to go hunting and then drives that $60,000 pickup truck back to that $600,000 house. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, they're sitting right beside each other. So our demographics are all over the place. And my high school, it's unbelievable. We'll have like one fight a year and it's usually like two freshman girls fighting over eyeliner or something like that. <laughs> but I mean, our people just kind of go about their business and get their stuff done. And, yeah. um, you know, th- you can't copy my culture, but you can like cherry pick little things. So my 17-page parent manual, it may not work at your place, but you can create a parent manual that does. Um, my parent manual, we this is, you know, parents are parents. They love their kids, and they're invested in their kids. And when I give up this parent manual, it has, like, uh, the standards that we go by. And I used to have, like, rules. I had a rule book. You're going to do this. If you... 
get your cell phone taken up in class. You're going to meet me here and you're going to run this much and you're going to do. Now I just have like these standards that basically it's like 10 things where it pretty much, it, it never backs me into a corner and mm-hmm. every, and it, it, every situation is different. You know, there's nothing worse as a coach to being held hostage by players and being backed into a corner by your own document. And my practice plan, everything, Trey, everything you type and give to a player, it's a legal document. Your practice plan is a legal document. So if no place on there, it says you worked on sliding and then a kid breaks his leg in a game sliding, their lawyer's going to go, I need to see all your practice plans. I don't see sliding in here. You didn't instruct it. We're suing you too. So you got to be really careful what you hand out. And if you hand it out, it's got to have meat on the bone. So um, when I give them the thing, I tell them, hey, listen, (laughs) this is the joke. 50% of the people in my town hate me. 50% of the people in my town love me. And 50% of the people in the town, their kids are playing for me right now. And they're pretending like they like me. <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I don't need I don't need if you want to be my friend uh and your kids on my team, that's fine. But it's like this now. Uh last year, last year I had seven players in my program that I coached their dads in this program also. Mm. So their dads were the ones that were like, you're soft. You're getting soft on them. You didn't. And I'm like, shut up. I will take <laughs> you out there and run you right now. You know, that kind of thing. Um, where, you know, I have players who I've coached their dads. I've had their mothers in class. Okay. You know, so the dynamic as you get a little bit older, if you stay in the same spot, the dynamic begins to change. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the amount of people that they're not exactly on board with everything you do, it also grows, you know, and you got to be okay with that. And what we're seeing in Tennessee is, you know, I'm on the executive board for the coaches association. I was sitting at the table when we started the thing 20 some years ago. And what we're seeing is in Tennessee, high school coaches, they're staying in it for three years and then they're getting out of it. And anytime a coach gets out of it, I try to call them and go, hey, why are you getting out? And they're like, don't get paid a lot, time away from my family, and it's not any fun, and these parents are crazy. Well, you know, if you're a parent and you're spending twelve, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 a year for your kid to, to drive down to Lake Point in Georgia every weekend, yeah, you want results. Uh-huh. And what do you coach my kid? He plays for the you know uh, MTV All Stars at Lake Point. Are you kidding? They went ninety two and one this summer, and he can't start for you. We're going to a different school. Get your stuff. Ah, this is not the last you've heard of me. I'm going to get you fired. Uh-huh. And a lot of people go, I'm out. I don't need this. So we're running out like a lot of really good potentially good coaches Uh who, you know, you know, not my administration, my principal, my principal was a football coach in Kentucky for 20 something years. He's phenomenal. Uh 
Mm-hmm. And he's got my back and my AD's got my back. I believe that. And if they didn't, I'd be so disappointed. But Trey, you also have to remember 34 years. I've been here for every principal at this school, like all 10 of them. I've been yeah. here and I see principals, parents come at them left and right. And they're like, I want to go back into the classroom. Parents don't come at you as hard in the classroom as they do when you're up there. You know, so the trade-off yeah. is lesson plans. <laughs> no, yeah. you know, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Oh, yeah, but absolutely. There's but, a lot of there's a lot of turn and run and give in. And I, I'm not saying that's everywhere, but but it's happening. Oh, and, it's definitely more. It's also more common now. Yeah. And y- your problems at your school, I have those same problems. And but we're embarrassed. We're embarrassed when a parent comes at us. Um we're, we're just embarrassed by it for some reason. And you, I don't, I don't want to tell you my stories, but my stories are just like your stories. So I think there's this feeling of alone when in fact, we all have the same problems. And if a high school baseball coach who's done it for a few years goes, I've never had a problem. He's lying to you. Mm-hmm. He's lying to you, you know? And like right now, I love, love i swear i got one of everything it's like noah's ark in my locker room and i love my team well i can tell we had a booster club meeting last night i said i love these guys i love them and that doesn't guarantee that their parents are going to love you and you don't need them to love you you know the best parent you don't even know who their kid is Uh you know you got kids in your program that you have a booster club meeting and you're like, okay, whose dad is that? Whose mom is that? Is that a grandpa? Who's it? Okay. I mean, that's that's what you really want. You don't want to meet them until the senior banquet when they go, I appreciate everything you've done for my son. I really do. And they got tears in their eyes. Uh-huh. That's, that's money, man. That's money, you know? So would you say, like, I guess in your time, like, is that is that one of the biggest, is this one of the biggest changes? that you think has happened in, in your, your experience? Are you, are you dealing with that differently? Is that, is that your biggest change that's happened? I don't think it, I don't think, I don't think it's changed. I think it, what has changed is how parents go about it with, uh, you can go on a website and be anonymous and say anything you want to. Back in the day, they just walked up to you and went, play my kid or I'll burn your house down. <laughs> so, I mean, and you think I'm kidding. I had right before we played for a district championship, uh, this man walked up to me and I had no idea who he was. And he walked up to me and he goes, Hey, is my son pitching tonight? And I go, uh, making the lineup right now. Who's your son. And he told me the kid's name and I went, no, he might come in out of the bullpen, but he's not starting. And he goes, if you don't start him, I'll kill you. And I went, you will really. And he turned around and walked away and, um, the school that we were playing at was like a very progressive school. And they were one of the first schools to ever have an SRO. And I went to the guy who was against the fence. And I went, Hey, that guy just said, if I didn't play his kid, he'll kill me. And he walked over to the guy and the dude that threatened my life had a gun on him. What? Not even kidding. How long ago was that? That's been 30 years ago. Oh my Lord. So, yeah, I mean, and that's, I mean, like, so it's, again, it's funny. And what, uh, some of the things I've always things, have said is, like, social media has made us 
Now we know all these things and we know these things happen. Well, like 30 years ago, you didn't have social media. These things have happened, but no one really knew right. they were happening. Right. And I, you know, I can remember the next day going in uh, to the principal going, Hey, this is what happened last night. This guy threatened uh, to kill me if I didn't play his kid. And he goes, no, he didn't. And I went, yeah, he did. And about 45 minutes later, he came to my classroom and he went, coach, can I talk to you? And I was like, you know, anytime the principal does that, you think you're about to get fired. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, yeah, we just got the police report from their SRO. And yeah, that guy's banned. And I went, well, you know, I don't know about you, but he could sit on the other side of the street and still shoot me. Banning him is not like the best option here. I need that guy never to come near me. And he goes, right. okay, we'll take care of it. So, I mean, yeah, that was a long time ago, but now they just go on under an anonymous name and talk about what a terrible human being you are and mm-hmm. how, you, how you crushed little Jimmy's dreams and um he's never going to play second base for the Cincinnati Reds because I cut him you know yeah I have the same problems as everybody else and we're all in this together so uh, I hate it when coaches feel like they're the only one and they get embarrassed by things that happen that they had nothing to do with you know nah no, that's and that's wild. That's wild. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it, it, that's pretty wild. Oh man, that's oh man, that's funny. I mean, that's just oh my gosh. Guy had and I had a gun on him too. Man, that is one yeah. heck of a story. Yeah. All for what? You know what I mean? All you know, where's that guy? You know. And I get it. I've had three. You know, I have three daughters. I have three grown daughters. My oldest daughter's thirty, and she's a pretty good soccer player, but she's self-made. Mm-hmm. You know, she's self-made. She had good skills. She was uh, good enough to start. But when she started, um, you know, she wasn't the best player. She wasn't the second best third player. But, man, she was aggressive and tough and a gritty kid and played defense and was good at it. And, you know, all three of my kids are super Christian kids. And just the nicest. They're the nicest kids. But they have that competitive gene. Um, and man, they blow the whistle and they turned into a different person, which Mm -hmm. was refreshing to see. And it's really funny. My daughter played soccer. My oldest daughter played soccer. I never learned the rules to soccer at her senior banquet. She mentioned, she won a little award. She said the greatest gift my dad ever gave me is he never learned soccer. So he couldn't act like a soccer parent. Mm -hmm. I just sat over there, you know, with a dip in and watched my kid play soccer. (laughs) <laughs> and then my, my middle daughter, she was a cheerleader and ran cross country. I mean, what do you do there? Run faster. She's running <laughs> as fast as she can. And she's a cheerleader. I have no idea. I just showed up in clap, you know, yeah. and yeah. held up offense or defense at the top of the stand so they knew what to say. And, you know, my youngest daughter, uh, she did drama. And I thought, yay, finally an indoor sport, you know. <laughs> and... So, I mean, I was never able to be that parent, you know, I was never, I I was never given the opportunity. So there are parts of me where sometimes I don't understand, like, why is my kid DHing? Are are you serious? Right. Are you serious? Your kid's in the starting lineup batting fifth. Mm -hmm. He's not playing a defensive position and you're going to come at me with that. Right. You know, so Parents are parents. God love them. 
Got to have parents to have players. You do. You do. For sure. For sure. I mean, I know. That's uh, something else. I mean, I... You want to you want to dive into some practice stuff? You want to talk about practice? Whatever you how want. How you've been developing in these guys, or you want to? Let's where go. You, where you want to go, man? Like you want to? I was thinking, um, you know, you know I guess you, you kind of talk about twelve U players and like what you've seen kind of coming up and all your development stuff. Do you get into anything before high school with your with in Cooksville? Do you get into like the the youth a little bit to kind of say, hey, these things should be do- coming before you get into me? Um. I'll be, we try to do little things, but I'll be perfectly honest. Youth baseball in my town has become this. I have a kid who's nine years old. Let's say I have a kid who's nine years old. I get nine of his buddies. We buy him a white t-shirt and a red t-shirt. We drive 20 miles. We play four games on a Saturday. If we win three of them, we get to come back and play in the bronze division championship tomorrow and play two more. But since I only have 10 kids on the team, everybody gets to play. So everybody's happy. And, but as far as like little league, you know, Dixie youth, uh, any kind of organized league stuff, there's not a lot of that. It's, it's, it has died out of my town. Uh, Yeah. It's, but there are a lot of kids that play. And I have three middle schools and they have teams and you look at them and they got fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth graders. They've got a uh, fifth grade team, sixth grade team, junior varsity, varsity. And so, I mean, baseball's in my town, but it's like, it's like Trey, your son and nine of his buddies. And I go, Hey, you know, you need any help? And they're like, no coach, we got it. And I'm like, okay. And the middle school coaches will go, what can we do? And I'll go, whatever you need me to do. Um, just when they get to me, if they are really good at throwing catch, they can play for me. So if they, if they play catch and they can catch it and they can throw it where they want it to go, they probably can, they're probably going to make my team. And we're going to kind of take it from there. So when they come to us, part of our system of development is uh, everything we do, Everything we do is systematically placed in. And anything that I teach Trey is on, I can break it down into one piece of paper, bullet point, one piece of paper. If it gets bigger than one piece of paper, it's probably too much. It's like too much information. So um, all my stuff I do, I've got a notebook and it's got all my handouts. It's got in what order we give them out. It's got... Okay, the first thing we introduce, the first thing we introduce is um, is catch play. We're going to teach them how to throw the ball. And then we're going to teach them how to catch the ball. And then we're going to teach them how to get a lead from first base. And then we're going to teach them how to get a lead from second base. And then we're going to teach them how to get a lead at third base. See what I'm saying? So it's all systematic. And when they get that, when they master that, when they, when they can take lead, uh, at first base and then take three steps towards second base, look in, find the action, keep their head up. When they can do that, when they can touch the front of first base, when they can touch the inside of the base to make a turn, when they understand body lean going around first base, when they understand, then you can move on to the next thing. Uh-huh. Then now, now I can teach uh, delay steal. I can teach them what to do 
if a line drive is hit, you know, I can teach them how to tag up on a fly ball. Um, but it, it's systematic approach to how we develop. And it, it's, it's got a lot of art in it, but it's basically it's science, how you introduce things, how you build on each building block. And that's and that just starts as a freshman, and she you're not really taking into the, no part of that taking into the middle school or anything like that. That You're doing no, there's no like no opportunity like that. Just I, work. Well, I let I let the middle school coaches. Our middle school coaches are pretty good. They know what they're doing, and they'll they'll say, "What do you need us to do?" And I'll say, "Just throw and catch." Is there anything else I can do? And if they say no, we'll we'll master. I'm like okay, because I don't want to go. Oh, I'm the I'm the head authority on baseball in this town and we're go, go be you. But when you come to us, if you want to make my team, you better be able to throw it. You better be able to catch it. We'll teach them everything else they want to do. And on day one of the fall, it's basically, Hey, this is a baseball. This is your glove. This is how you hold the baseball. This is what we're trying. I mean, and we teach them the throw drills, like, in our little throw drills, our throw drills are not about building arm strength. Our throw drills are about teaching the body how to carry the ball to release, how to use your body. And for freshmen, some freshmen, it takes forever. And some freshmen get it really quick. But today, if I don't see, if a kid's on, you know, if he's a right-hander and he's down on his right knee and he just throws it, and I don't see face, chin up, chest go forward, glove out. If I don't see that, I'm going to go, hey, Trey, let's go. Let your body carry your arm. I'm going to correct it. Mm-hmm. But they, they already know it. But it comes back to how do you practice? My guys know I'm going to rip them on the smallest detail. Nothing slides. I'm not letting anything slide. Uh, because I need your focus because we're going to pay attention to detail. So, you know, that's, that's kind of how we do it. Cool. Very methodical. Well, and then what, what, what does that typical practice look like? You know, as you go in step-by-step as you're building in your system, has your system looked different this year actually too, by the way, with COVID and things like that, if you've been able to like since the A to A A Um, days that you're having. Um, no, but and this sounds really stupid. It, it does sound really stupid because you know we're baseball geeks. The guys that will see this, they're <laughs> baseball geeks. They can't get enough of it. I can't right. get enough of it. And you know, we talked about this. We talk about this all the time. And I mentioned it yesterday. Yesterday's question is: When you wake up, when do you think about baseball? Like, at what point is it? I wake up and go, "Oh, I got baseball today. Awesome." Is it when you get into the shower? Is it when you're driving to school and go, oh, I forgot my uh, shorts? You know, when do you think about baseball? That's, that's big into determining what kind of player you are or how serious you are. And we talk about at my school, and not that my school is different from your school or anybody else's, but at my school, if base, it, 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 at a school, if baseball is just another activity, you're not going to be very good. And you're not you're going to spend some time, but you're not going to win the prizes you want to, you know, win. Uh So at your school, if you make it more than an activity, you're probably going to get better results. 
And how do you make it more than activity? Well, as a coach, I can't fail my team. As a coach, I can't strike out. And I tell my team all the time, hey, listen, you guys are playing against the game, and I'm coaching against that guy in the dugout. And anything he does, I'm ready to counter it right now. You won't see me lock up because I'm going to be prepared. And if that guy, if I can do something and he can counter it, I'm going to keep doing it till he can't counter it. All you guys have to do is what I tell you to do. Don't freelance. Just do what I tell you to do. You know, and then I give him the line because I know I'm better than that guy in that day. There you go. That's right. You know, and all he's going to have to keep up with me. I'm not keeping up with him. He's going to have to counter stuff that we do. If we if we show if we show bunt and nobody moves, well, he's not countering me. Uh-huh. If we put a bunt down and they can't pick it out and throw us out at first base, he's not countering me. So my job as a coach is to make him make as many decisions in a game as I can, because I'm over here trying to beat him to the decision. Uh-huh. Like I think there's this myth that. You make a decision, and then I make a decision, and then you make a decision, and I make a decision. No. The game, if you want to win it, is I decide, I decide, I decide, I decide. Can you keep up with my decisions? I decide, I decide. That guy's going to win. That's the the chess part of baseball. You know, you look at it. um, Anybody, I I know, and this is going to sound really arrogant, and I'm not talking about me, but I know, I know 200 guys that can manage in the big leagues. Uh-huh. Because oh, it's sure. basically it's basically when to take the pitcher out, who to put in. Well, if you got a good pitching coach, he's sitting there going, "Okay, this is who you have available today. Here's the matchups. This is what their batting order is going to be." And all these big league teams, if they can afford it, for the most part, they're going to go left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. Right. Okay, so your decisions are you're playing basically the same guys. And then every now and then somebody from the front office is going to say, hey, this is what he's hitting against left handers. You need to play this guy. And you do that. It like. And and I don't know, I've never done it, but I'm looking at it. I've watched a million games. I think high school's harder to coach than. Yeah, when you're getting like you said, you're putting in this guy, this guy can be down here and they can be down over here and. This guy, well, his girlfriend, man, they could broke up last night. Right. I mean, everybody, everybody in the big leagues, including the managers, are elite. And all these players, these are elite guys. Worst player in the big leagues is an elite. He's one of the 750 best players on the planet. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you go, oh, that guy, he stinks. He's swing and miss. That guy's elite. Because he can hit a baseball further than anybody. You know what I'm talking about? Sure. And he's got – he looks like like Will Smith at the Dodgers. That guy looks like he's 12 years old. Guy can hit a 450-foot home run. You give him a 98-mile-an-hour fastball and he's on time. Mm. He can hit a – he can hit a 450-foot home run. You know? So, I don't know. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Man. This was this was great. This is great. I mean, we're we're an hour into it. I don't want to. No, you're not bothering me. If I'm bothering you, man, we can uh, we can keep on rolling. Um, I was wondering. I was thinking about um, what you mentioned about 
um, I just heard you, I heard you talking like loving the chess match and loving the making decisions, you know, and a lot of that comes to, and I know you're so developmental um, and you love practice. So how are you teaching those decisions? Possibly some of the chaos that you're going to make decisions in the game. How are you bringing that to practice? Um, it's kind of like this. And we talk about this and I think sometimes, you know, we talk about, um, my dad, he was a Navy frogman, and he was like special forces in the Navy. He was in World War II. He was in the Korean War, uh, wow. the whole Vietnam. I mean, he, he was a warrior. And um, you, you, I, have, I see a lot of guys, they read stuff about Navy SEALs and stuff like that. And Navy SEALs, they're going to be physically in condition, and they're always taking care of their equipment. You know? And Jason Kuhn, who's has a company where he goes out and trains people and stuff like that. I coached him in college and he goes on and he's a group leader uh, as a Navy SEAL for 10 years. And I mean, he told me stories about combat. I'm like, Jason, he's like, listen, it is about your teammates. He said, you don't worry about you. You worry about the guy on each side of you because you know, they're worried about you. So everybody's got everybody's back, regardless of how they feel about each other. If if we're Navy SEALs and I don't like you, once we go into the field, that doesn't matter. I got you. I got you. And so if you teach your team to worry about everybody else and make everybody else's job easier, you know, uh, don't throw balls in the dirt to the first baseman. Don't make him have to pick balls. Make it easy on him. You know, if you have that mentality and you fall back on your training, things you did in the batting cage a hundred times, I get this, you get this. You'll get a guy swing and go, yeah, that's it. We've watched film. I've thrown you five billion balls. And then he gets in the game, forgets where he's at, loses his mind and goes back to his uh, 13U swing, sits and spin. Mm-hmm. You're like, what are you doing, man? Fall back on your training. Oh yeah. You know? Um, so I, I just think, I think, uh, I think simple is a skill. And I think so many people are almost embarrassed. Like, um, I'm going to use big giant words to impress you. You know, we're on this podcast, so I'm going to break down uh, baseball and reinvent the wheel and use big word. Simple's a skill, man. I don't have to coach you. I can talk baseball all day to you at a high level because mm-hmm. I'm a nerd. I'm a baseball nerd. I've been studying it since I was a little kid and I knew I wanted to coach when I was 10 years old. So I sat next to coaches. I picked a junior college to play at because it had a good coach. I wanted to learn from not because I want to get to the big leagues. So I've known for a long time. So, you know, I'm this nerdy guy and you know, I'm trying to process information, but I can talk at a high level if I need to. I can talk about deceleration of uh, the waste on contact with this one. But I, I, I coach 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds. So I can say things instead of deceleration. I can go, hey, when your front foot hip hits the ground, your hips no longer slide forward. They start to spin violently. You keep your front eye looking out in front in the zone 
and your barrel continues to go forward. Your swing, it's an oval. It's not a circle. Don't spin out and slice across the zone. Keep the barrel in the zone. See, I have to talk like that because that's sure. who I coach. Right. That's right. who I coach. If I coached a bunch of engineers, you know, right. I'd right. use I'd use big words that they could understand. But I coach kids. So I gotta develop this terminology and this language that they understand. And I and I'll be honest with you, and like you. Oh my gosh, I can tell you're a good coach. I can tell by the way you talk, the way you act. Um, there's no need for you to impress anybody because you're secure in who you got to coach and how you do it. You're always looking for a better way. I'm always looking for a better way. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean I'm going to change what I do now, but if I find something to add, you better know I'm going to add it, you know? Sure. Sure. No, this is, I agree. I agree. This is. Great. Well, I, Coach, I know because uh, the World Series is going on too. What, uh, I mean, Coach? If there's if there's anybody that wanted to touch more touch touch base with you, what's the best way to get in contact? All right. You, Here's the thing. Like, what are you what are you thinking here? October 9th, I get a new cell phone, and I don't know how to get my old Twitter into it. So I've been off Twitter for 11, 12 days now, and it's killing me. I've got to figure it out. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, the, when I signed up for Twitter, I used like a different email that it note that doesn't exist anymore. Oh and my it, gosh! And Twitter they gotta wants, follow you on Twitter. I know. I I've sent requests. Please let me back in. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you can email me. Uh, it's Chaffin C H A F F I N B one at P C sstn.com that's my email and you know uh, i said this Trey, a long time ago when i first started out as a head coach um i didn't have any assistant coaches and it was kind of like my high school head i went back and i coached as an assistant under him and i was his assistant i was a grounds crew the whole nine yards and he let me do so much because he knew you know hey he's the next dude and he loves it and he came in one day and he had a stack of file folders and he handed them to me and he went, you're the head coach now. And I was like, what? And he's <laughs> like, you're the head coach now. I'm like, sweet. And I thought, this is awesome. I've always wanted to be a head coach. And then I had to do it. And I didn't have any assistant coaches. And I used to sit on that bucket while we're getting just throttled by somebody. And I'd sit there and go, golly, if I'm in this long enough, Number one, I'm going to pick up a whole bunch of assistant coaches. But number two, if anybody my age needs any help of any kind, I'm going to do whatever they want me to do. So as I get older and I start to realize, you know, it's, it's not about me. It hadn't been about me for a while. And it's about the game. Mm -hmm. And it's a great game. And I coach football for eight years, and I'll hear people go, hey, football teaches life. No, it doesn't. When's the last time you were walking down a sidewalk somebody tackled you? That <laughs> doesn't happen, okay? Right. Baseball talks about everybody's like baseball. It's a game of failure. No, it's not. It's a game of opportunity. It gives you opportunity. In football, you play a football game on a Friday night, you lose. Think about it. You got one week to wait to see if you're any good. 
Yeah. Baseball, man, we play on Monday. We get absolutely railroaded out of town by 50 runs. Hey, we got a game on Tuesday. Let's go. Let's recover and come back. How are we going to do it? What? We got to win. Yay. Be careful. Got to play again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Baseball, that's like, you know, it makes me so mad, all these rules. They keep changing my game at the big league level. So the Joe Schmo average fan who has the attention span of a gnat buys a hat and buys a ticket and becomes a fan. I don't want that guy at my game. You know, I want to go to a Red Sox-Yankees game and that sucker go all day long because <laughs> there's no clock, you right. know, there's no right. clock. Uh, football, it's 15-minute quarters, so the game technically should take an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, and nobody ever says anything when NFL goes three and a half hours, four hours long. Mm-hmm. They're on the clock. Right. My, game, my game doesn't have a clock. And if they want to play for six hours, so be it. It's about the game within the game. We don't need those average fans. That's right. You know? So you don't. No, it's a great game for sure. And it's just so much. And, uh, you know, it has great guys like you in it for sure. Let's keep uh, making it even better, man. I really appreciate it, Coach. No problem. No problem. I'm glad to get to do it. And uh, I appreciate you. And, golly, you're, you're like that. You're that generation, man. You got to – because I, I swear – uh, my kids go, uh, when we talk, it's kind of morbid, but I'll go, uh, how do you think I'll die? And one of my daughters goes, you'll die on a mower and it'll be like head first into the center field wall and somebody will find you like six hours later or something. And I'm like, that's sick. And she goes, you know, it's going to happen at the ballpark. It's going uh, down at the ballpark. You're just in the dugout. It'll look like you're asleep. And then the game will end and you will have been dead since the third inning or something. <laughs> But, you know, and I'm serious. Um, It's not about me, but it is about me leaving fingerprints. And I want to leave fingerprints all over the place. And I I will defend this game. And we I tell my guys, listen, guys, you're high school baseball players and you got to have a great experience. Um, But I'm a I'm a guardian of the game for you. And if you disrespect the game, I'm here to stop you from doing that. So. You know, you go all flat bill and flip the – you turn your hat around backwards. Uh, I, I can't allow that, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm the guardian. I'm the guardian of the game in your life. So we're, I'm going to teach my guys – I'm going to teach them how to play right. I'm going to teach them to respect the opponent. And we're going to play hard, and we're going to play till you know, we don't have breath in our body or all our outs are gone. But, you know, uh, don't let your kids disrespect the game. Um, don't let them take a day for granted. You know, um, we talked about that. We talked about that this week. Don't take, don't take one minute of your training for granted because mm-hmm. it's about preparation. So sure. well, the spring, the spring also has told us that they're not going to get, take it right from them. Absolutely. And I really appreciate how you're being a guardian of the high school game too. You know I mean? Just, just because I think less that's becoming less and less valuable, you know, when you see like people want to go to Lake Point, they want to go to this and that, but yeah. you know what? And people are talking about like the things that I I'll also see about, Oh, well, they're not coming into high school preparing. That's on the travel. I'm like that's not on the travel coach. Like this, this high school coach spent four years with them. What yeah. are they, what are they doing with them? Like if yeah. that kid doesn't know how to compete are coming out of that high school, then that's not this travel ball guys coach. It's not his problem. Right. 
You right. Know? And, and and that's, you know, some people like to coach and some people like to be called coach. And there's a big difference. Um, everybody in this town calls me coach. My kids call me coach. I have a three-year-old granddaughter that calls me coach. She didn't call me grandpa because <laughs> her mom taught her to call me coach. And I don't take that. I don't, I don't take that for granted. If you mm-hmm. call me coach, even if I like, I'll have kids in class and they'll go, Hey coach, I'm not their coach, but I am their coach because every teacher everywhere is a coach, you know, and I'll see teachers lose their mind about athletics. Well, you're a coach, you're coaching English, you're coaching math. You know, when you spin it like that, they're like, well, I never thought about it. Do you have a lesson plan? That's a game plan. That's your practice plan. Mm-hmm. You test them. That's game day. You know, and uh, my guy, we push academics. I talk about academics with our guys every day, like every day. And I, I'll be honest with you. I have uh, players that I'm harder on them about their academics than their parents are. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a mom go, well, he's passing. What's the big deal? And I'm like, passing? I don't want him to pass. I want him to make an A. He can make an A, put in the effort, you know? So we're trying to compete at grades and, you know, and we, we do, we do a really good job with academics and my guys make good grades. And, and I always wonder, and I had an assistant coach go, where would these kids be if we weren't on them about grades every day? Cause I, I know, I, I know where they'd be. They wouldn't be getting high school diplomas. Some of them. And some of them, their only motivation to come to school is because they're on my team. Mm-hmm. They, they play for me. They're on our team. They, we gear our guys up like special. We treat them special. This is their big league experience. And we search the internet and we come up. We spend, It sounds so stupid. We spend hours trying to come up with like good like logos and screens to put on shirts because we want our guys to, you know, be proud of it. And we'll, we'll cut a corner here and we'll have a car wash there so they can get uh, Under Armour hoodie instead of an off-brand hoodie mm-hmm. like other sports in our school wear. Uh, and my guys, you know, we're going to treat them like men. We expect them to act like men. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be over the top. I'm not going to belittle any of my players. I'm not, I will not humiliate them. I will not embarrass them. Will I raise my voice? Absolutely. I can get, I can get a kid's attention from about 350 feet away. Um, But, and I'm going to coach them hard. And like I said, at the beginning, my guys now know the older guys are like, if I don't coach them hard, they're upset about that. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to coach them hard. I'm going to get after them and I'm going to push them. But my guys know outside of mom and dad and grandpa and grandma, nobody loves them more than I do. I care about them. And that sounds like fake. It's absolutely true. Um, Your grandpa dies, man, I hurt for you. I legit hurt for you. And, um, you know, that, that, that's a big part of it is, um, if you'll buy into what I'm selling, man, I'm all about you, you know? Yep. You give me that 50%, I give you a hundred basically. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Or I give you a hundred, you give me a hundred, I'll give you 150, however you want to look at it, you know? Absolutely. 
Makes you a great coach. I, coach, I just can't thank you enough. I will respect your time here too. You know, we're, we're an hour and a half into everything and it's just been a lot of fun. Hopefully we get to do it here again in about uh, eight weeks. I hope so. Yeah, we'll get hope to see you there. Again, Coach, can't thank you enough for everything and uh, keep being a, such a guardian of our game. Can't thank appreciate, you enough. Appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Coach Jafin just kills it. Uh, it's just he's just so fun. He makes everything relaxed, and it's like he talks about his his simple wins. Simple is something that I think we're all everyone's craving for. It. You know, a simple way of saying something, simple way of doing it. You know, you're going to be able to expand the same amount of energy or less energy and get more out of it. And so it's just a, a breath of fresh air. And so, again, Coach Chafin, I just can't thank you enough for what you're doing for our game, for our coaches, for our players. And I know those, those guys at Cooksville are pretty fortunate to have you there. But uh, just a couple things that I would just I loved about it, and just thinking of development and becoming better men, better ball players, and how he talked about rebuilding year insults everyone in your program. When we say it's a rebuilding year, it insults everyone in your program. And he spent a lot of time with maturity, and how you get more mature, you improve a lot. And which isn't a physical thing; it's a it's it's a mental thing. Making a decision to make your bed, go to classroom, be respectful, throw the trash away, raise your hand, be responsible, having manners. But I believe we've all had a player, or even when ourselves, when we were we we looked at. I'm sure we all maybe have a, even have a, a time in our life when we were just made better decisions because we were more mature and ready for them. So. Coach Chafin is really helping develop those better players by really just pushing a mature program and having those expectations of having mature men, even though they are 15, 16, 17 years old. But, uh, again, if you are not following on Twitter, do yourself a favor, look him up. Um, Coach Chafin is a great follow on Twitter. Uh, he also gave the... His email there, if you happen to, would like to reach out to him, chafinb1 at pcsstn.com. And uh, just a, a great follow on Twitter, a great follow. He's uh, at garbage29, G-A-W-B-A-G-E. 29. So again, thanks coach. Appreciate the time. Appreciate you all the listeners. Appreciate you taking your time out of your day to try to get better. And we're going to continue this train. We're going to continue to keep rolling as we continue to try to showcase and have great discussions of how we're not only helping people on the field, but we're helping our ball players off the field. So keep getting better and I'll see you next week.